0: this morning we'll be in Proverbs 8. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, can we do some slides or not really? I don't want to throw something at you that is, okay. Uh, Some announcements we want to go over that'll be coming up. Tonight is the hayride uh, and the bonfire at five. You just meet here at the church. Um, And then there is a meeting after second service for the Easter presentation, uh, pizza and stuff. You'll be meeting in the sanctuary along with that there's a cleaning meeting also for those of you who are cleaners or deacons uh, i think we've already let you know about that but we'll be meeting in the large classroom to kind of go over some things and uh, to set up leadership and let you know who's in charge of that now so we'll be talking about that so if you're a cleaner or you're a part of the uh, you're a deacon and you want to join us for that we'll be in the big classroom and otherwise the easter presentation will be here next sunday we'll be busy uh, October 1st from 2 to three we'll be standing up against abortion uh, life chain 2023 we meet at the courthouse at 145 to hand out signs we stand uh, quietly and prayerfully in protest against abortion in this country and 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 all and just because the Supreme Court ruled against it doesn't mean it's not happening so uh, this is a the battle is, is just changed to states now instead of federal so it's even more in Intense than it ever has been, so it 's important that we do this uh, we 'll be meeting there for prayer at one forty five and then standing for an hour quietly. No confrontation. there may be from the other side, but you don 't have to respond. You just keep your eyes closed and pray um, and then there 's a potluck October eighth uh, back to October first though i i, I didn 't do a slide for this i don 't think is uh is uh, FCA, Fellowship for Christian Athletes, Fields of Faith, is happening that night as well. Uh, that'll be taking place at the Bearcat Arena. Uh, our team will be leading worship there, and then uh, uh, Zach will be doing the, the teaching there and the sharing, and then there'll be other people there. So join them for that. That's at 7 o'clock, I think, at the field. Um, they'd love for you all to sh- show up for that. It isn't just for students. Um, we'd love to have that support. And then also that night is prayer. So Jenny and I are going to divide and conquer. One of us will be here for prayer. The other one will be at the uh, you know, Fellowship for Christian Athletes thing to represent there. And uh, we'll be having prayer that night because we've already canceled two months in a row. We don't want to do that again. So we'll be having prayer Uh, Next Sunday as well. So busy next Sunday. So just bring your food and just live here all day long. October 8th is our uh, potluck, uh, fried chicken, chicken strips. Bring a side that goes along with that. Men's Breakfast, October 21st, kind of a ways away, but it'll it'll get here eventually. And then finally, I think we're going to do the Harvest Party. I don't have a sign-up sheet for that yet. I was busy this weekend at the conference, and so I didn't get one made up. So there is nothing to sign up for yet. There will be next week. So look for that on the table if you want to help with that. Thank you very much, Carolyn. All right. Okay, now I get my notes out and teach the Bible. All right, next. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for Proverbs 8. What a, what a special text as uh, your wisdom is the only wisdom and it's available and it's readily available to all and it's available all the time and everywhere. And you make that abundantly clear in this text. So, God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear this morning as we've come for that purpose to hear wisdom from you, to hear what your Holy Spirit would, would say to us. Um, as far as uh, living this, in this world as it's in a rapid decline, Lord, and you're coming very soon, um, we need wisdom and guidance and, and how to navigate and, and how to be a blessing and to uh, represent you well in this world, um, but also how to maintain our walk and uh, a peace in our lives. And so we pray that your word would just speak to our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. We have four breaks today. One will be uh, the first section is verses one through 11 of chapter eight of Proverbs. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. And here's what she cries. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to me or to my lips. All the words of my mouth are are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver. Acknowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. And he's, of course, speaking of wisdom. He covers several things here. Wisdom isn't hidden. It isn't something that you have to really search for. You just have to make yourself available for. I was thinking about worshiping. Uh, in song this morning, as we've already done, and how I've been in that place where the song is going to make me worship. Whatever song is chosen will either elevate me or I won't like it and I won't kind of thing. And I've been in that place before and I've learned over time, and and I don't do it 100% of the time, but I, I know that I have to prepare my heart to be a worshiping heart with whatever song comes So I come to worship God, and I will worship with the songs that are presented at that time, no matter where I am. It doesn't matter whether I'm at a Lutheran church or at a conference or whether I'm here at Calvary or wherever I may be. Whatever song is presented to the Lord, that's what my worshiping heart is going to sing. Now, I say that because I have to prepare my heart to receive God's wisdom, whatever the wisdom is that he has for me. I don't judge the wisdom. The wisdom judges me. We, we say that a lot in different ways. The, you, you either read the Bible uh, and judge it, or the Bible judges you, which is how it's supposed to be. And that's a preparation of the heart that takes place in our lives. And it needs to happen all the time. I need to be ready for that wisdom. And it's everywhere. Everywhere. She says, I'm everywhere. There, I'm not hiding any place. It's not like in one location. It isn't in this building, or is it it isn't in that building. It isn't. God's wisdom is in this word, but it's also very present with us everywhere. And it's crying out to us. It's not soft-spoken. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says this about us who received the wisdom from God, and this is. A transition that takes place in our lives, you are the light of the world. A city that is not set on a hill cannot be hidden. You see, we're having a cleaning meeting. And this is one of the things I'm going to say to everybody, because I have to think these things through and pray them through and all that. Along with how to clean a crack in a, in a concrete slab, you know, there's far more going on there. When it comes to service of God, there is a battle that takes place, whether you're doing audio-visual like Carolyn is today, or whether you're doing worship like JC, or whether you're teaching like I am right now, or whether you're cleaning. There is a battle, and it is a spiritual war to actually do that with a humble heart, with submission, with a willingness, with a happy heart. All those things have to happen. Teaching Sunday school, that's all going to take place. It's not the mechanics of actually cleaning. It's the mechanics of that mind game that you play or that heart game that you can play while doing all these things. That to be said, when you move from just coming to church to receive, to give, to help, and I'm not talking about financial, although that's a part of it also, but to give in service to God, there is a change that takes place in a person's heart. You are now in a different position. You are now moving in a different area. You're you're maturing in the Lord, first of all. You're becoming uh, someone who doesn't come to take but to to give. It's a different thing. So to our text here, wisdom cries out for sure, but there is an obligation that comes with hearing that wisdom. Now I become a light, and wisdom cries out for me because I carry it. I own it. It's become a part of my heart. Paul says that a couple times. You're going to be judged according to my gospel, Paul says. Your gospel, your good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. No, I've taken the good news of Jesus Christ into my heart. It's become mine now. And now wherever I go, I share that gospel, likewise with God's wisdom. That's how she's able to be everywhere all the time. She's where you are. She's where I am. Someone comes up to me, I don't know, Walmart, it could be anywhere. I keep picking on Walmart. It could be Hy-Vee, it could be Dick's Sporting Goods in St. Joe, or wherever it is that I go to shop or be, you'll run into someone that you haven't seen forever, and they say, oh, God, I saw you. This has got to be the Lord. I'm like, I don't know if it's got to be the Lord or not, but okay. I got this thing going on in my life. Well, tell me about it. And I'm not saying I will have wisdom, but I tell you what I'm doing while you're telling me your problem. I'm praying. Oh, God, give me wisdom. I pray that you'd cry out. I pray that you'd show me. They're asking me a question or they're about to ask me a question. I want to give out that answer. You know, I want to be able to give them your word. I want to give them what you've taught me, what you've shown me. So when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, he expected us all to shine with the gospel that he presented when he was on earth. Now we have it and it should be shining in all sorts of places. Everywhere we are, you see. So when wisdom says she cries out, she also cries out and uses you as a beacon. You're the megaphone that she cries out from. It's important. And not only is it there, it's everywhere. Deuteronomy chapter 6 describes (laughs) a parent's heart, basically. And if you're not a parent, it still applies to you. Don't, don't feel like you're left out as a single person or as someone who doesn't have children. It makes no difference. This still applies. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 6, speaking of wisdom, speaking of the words of God that have come into the hearts of people. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It should be everywhere in your life. And it is. You know, No matter where you go, there's opportunities to talk about that. We were looking at Jenny uh, sitting across from me. Uh, we do that in the morning and, and usually just either going over some news articles or reading the Bible or whatever we're doing on our phones and everything, because that's what I use now. And, and uh, I just love our land, she said. I just so appreciate looking out over that land. And I was thinking about the walk we had before. And as she's talking about the overview of where God has moved us to and what a blessing it is, I'm talking, I, I begin to think about the, the micro part of it. So there's, a, there's, there's two parts to a picture, basically. You can stand back and appreciate the, the totality of it, the wholeness of it. But as you move closer to the picture, you begin to see the details and you appreciate the small things, too. So you notice the bugs and the, the 12 or 13 different kinds of wildflowers you know that are out there. You don't even notice a goldenrod. Oh, we think allergies when we see goldenrod. It's kind of pretty, though. I mean, if you didn't have allergies, you'd appreciate it, you know? Clover. Clover. Oh, that's good for feed. Well, it's also a really beautiful purple flower and a white one, depending on what kind you have, you know? And and, and on and on. And then there's these yellow ones that are popping up, you know, that the, the look like sunflowers, but they're mini, you know, mini sunflowers. There's like a 100 different blooms on one big stem. I'm saying this. That no matter where you go, there's opportunities, whether that's walking or whether that's an overview or whatever it is. There's opportunities to share. There's wisdom there. How does God take care of all these bees, I ask myself? Uh, when's the dearth? When is there no food for them? And I look around saying, 12 different kinds of flowers out there right now. They need to just get busy, you know, kind of thing. And, and and on and on that goes. And God gives you wisdom that way and shows you stuff. Use that. Ephesians chapter 5 Verses uh, 18 through 20, and he talks about the things that when we are the well, a well, where people can get a fresh drink of spiritual water from, I know that Jesus is the well. Don't misunderstand me. I don't mean to take his place, but Jesus said the Holy Spirit's coming upon you so that the word of God can go everywhere, not just in one location where I am. So there, there is some precedence for this. When someone comes to you for wisdom, when they come, what do I give them? There is earthly wisdom, and then there's godly wisdom. And he says this, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you share something with someone, share a psalm with them. Share some Proverbs with them. Share Proverbs 8 this week with somebody or a portion of it. You'd be surprised. He says it again in Colossians 3.16 a little differently. Paul's still the writer. Let the word of God, or let the word of Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You don't just use those psalms to build somebody up. You also use to admonish and to teach. They're, all, they're, they're good for all of that. If you've been coming on Wednesdays, you know that he, Paul told Timothy the same thing. All, all of Scripture is useful for these things, to teach people, to, to, to build people, to grow people in the Lord. That's the wisdom that cries out. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill the treasuries. The writer here, God, (laughs) says that his wisdom owns these things. I am these things. He says, I uh, I dwell with prudence. That's where I live. It's prudent to follow me, to obey me, to to do what my word says. Um, Let me go on here. The pride and arrogance and evil, the way I hate counsel is mine. Counsel, all counsel is God's counsel. In other words, God's word is counsel. There's no other counsel outside of God's counsel. You can't add to it. You can't improve upon the word of God. It's everything. It's got everything for everybody. He says, not only that, I have have sound wisdom. I am understanding. You can't have understanding without him. That's what he does. That's what God's word does. It gives you understanding into things. I don't understand what's going on with the world. As you read God's word and you begin to develop a biblical worldview, it makes complete sense what's happening. Reason is is which we'll talk about here later on in the, in the chapter. But reason is departing from men. You you can't even talk about different opinions now because reason has left. Those on the left. There is no reasoning. Now, when I say that, I'm getting political here. Well, I guess Jesus is going to separate the goats and the sheep. And we, we learned this at our conference a little bit. And just We know this, but the goats go to the left and the sheep go to the right. There's no, the idea here isn't that all, you know, uh, there is a separation that's taking place and you're feeling it. Whether you know it or not, that's what's happening. Oh, our our country's being divided. It absolutely is. And the more people that try to unify what the Holy Spirit is dividing and separating goats and sheep, right in front of your very eyes, you're going to frustrate yourself. Jesus is coming very, very soon. And what we're feeling is, you no longer be, they used in the conference, it was a great word, in the mushy middle of Christianity. Um, you you know, (laughs) you're going to have to make a choice. There's not going to be any gray area anymore. There's not going to be in that place where no one's going to call you out. You're going to either have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you have to reject him as your Lord and Savior. You have to say, I absolutely believe the word of God is infallible, and it's the source of all truth. Or you're going to have to say, I don't believe the Bible, and it isn't the source of all truth. There's a dividing that's taking place. Wisdom is crying out saying, I would encourage you to go to the right. I would encourage you to come towards me at this time of division and not move away from me at this time of division. Here I go. I've been asked again um, to join a ministerial alliance. And it's been years since they've asked me. They know better. No, and here, yeah, it's funny, because it is. But here's the reason why, because it needs to be clear why. I love brothers and sisters in the Lord, and I love the unity of the Holy Spirit. I love God's Word, and everybody that loves God's Word. Wisdom loves those who love her. So as I contemplated, let's give it another shot, I asked a simple question, who all is in this ministerial alliance? And they named three churches that have completely walked away from God's word, have rejected Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the only way to get to heaven. They go outside of God's word for their counsel, and they reject portions of Scripture, if not all of it. I don't care if we're going to be in allegiance on one area. I can't show myself at these meetings and let people think that I'm in alliance with them. I'm not. That one moment that we're going to agree on this one little thing, and that's all we're going to agree on, doesn't stay there. That's not how the world perceives it. They see us show up at these things and say, they must approve with everybody and everything, and I don't. And so I can't. And that's an interesting place to be in a town. And it puts you in a funny place too, and I'm, I'm just letting you know. So when you say to people, where do you go to church? And you say, Calvary Chapel. And they go, oh. At least you know why they're saying, oh. You know, I love them. But I want them to love God's word more. And I want them to love Jesus Christ like I love him. I want them to be madly in love with their Savior. So much so that it's more offensive to offend him than it is to offend this world. He's the love of my life. He saved me. He died on the cross for my sins. He gave everything for me. How in the world could I ever deny him in any way or any of his word? You can't. You're going to see a division. You're going to see things happen more and more. Satan is not hiding anymore. He's not ashamed anymore. He's not trying to be secretive. He is out in the open and he's in the streets. And the church worldwide has a decision to make. Are we with Jesus or are we for ourselves? Are we the bride of Christ and defend our husband unequivocally and stand with him unequivocally? Or do for the sake of popularity or the, for the sake of continuance, is often the case. Are we even going to survive this? Do we compromise? We can't. And when we say the church, church needs to do that, the church needs We are the church. You are the church. You standing up for righteousness. You standing up for the word of God. You standing up for Jesus. You being public and out loud about your unequivocal devotion to your Savior, Jesus Christ, is what makes a body of believers like a Calvary Chapel or any other church strong. Stepping off the soapbox now. She's crying out. And uh, anything that exalts itself above God, as the writer here says, I own these things. I have the corner on all truth. Jesus Christ has the corner on all truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity and in obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. Now I'm, I, I added those. The, the focus of that was verse 5, cast, pull, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that comes up against the knowledge of God is an enemy of God. It isn't that they just haven't talked and reconciled. No, God is truth. Jesus is truth. Yes, he's love, but loving is being truthful. There it is. Anything that comes up against God's truth is in opposition and is from the opposition, our enemy. The word of God is used to pull down these arguments, to pull down these strongholds and these things that rise up against and put themselves above or equal to God's word. Nothing is. Nothing is. Now, when he says he's going to punish all disobedience, I wanted to take another step there in that direction and talk about rebellion a little bit. Um, because we don't think much of rebellion. Rebellion seems to be just kind of part of growing up or part of life. And we, we pick on the teenagers a lot, but there's a lot of adults that have never stopped rebelling against God. They just, they just don't rebel as much or as openly. Here's what the Bible says about rebellion. And I don't know that we've ever understood it this way. Maybe you've read this before, but hopefully it drives home the point of how serious an issue this is. Rebellion against God or against his word. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 23 for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If you wouldn't sit in the middle of a pentagram on the ground with blood of whatever around you, worshiping Satan, Satan, you ought not be comfortable with rebellion either. It's the same thing. God sees it as bad. Rebellion is what Lucifer slash Satan did. He's the author of it. He's the definer of it. He is the embodiment of rebellion against God. And that's what he told Eve to rebel. It is the sin. It's the sin that leads all of us away from the blessings of God, from the protection of God, from the love of God. The rebellion is a horrible thing. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Just being stubborn is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected what? The word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. Now that's pointed at a specific person, but boy, I take those things to heart thousands of years before I was born, but God doesn't change. He still thinks rebellion is like witchcraft. He still thinks stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. And he still doesn't appreciate it at all when we reject his word. We have to be careful. We need to get past the platitudes. In this section, I wanted to focus on this a little bit. We have platitudes. And I don't know that we understand them. We say God is love. And he is. I think all of us agree. But we have to ask the next question. What is love? I think that's important. See, if we just say God is love, most of the time, the platitude people or the people that never go any deeper than just God is love. They feel emotion, warm, fuzzy. They don't think about what it means to be loving. Jesus calling out to the Pharisees, calling them a brood of vipers was love. Jesus... Slowly and methodically making a whip to drive out the money changers from within the temple that were keeping the Gentiles from coming to prayer was love. Those are loving things. Paul's letter to the Corinthians telling them that they need to repent and get right. You were those things. You're no longer those things. You need to quit. That's love. You see? In James chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. James says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there are demons, or that there, there is a God. You do well. Even demons believe in trouble. It's another platitude. Just believe. The actual... When they ask what must we do to be saved, the, the words aren't just believe. It says believe on him whom he sent. There's a lot going on in there. To just say, just believe. Okay, that, that's a nice two-word thing to put up in your house, as, but you need to know all of it. To believe on him means I am placing my life On him and what he did on the cross for me. I know that he died on the cross for my sins. It's to believe all of that and that there is no other way for me to get to heaven other than believing on him for salvation and only him for salvation. Not on myself or any other way. There's a lot going on there. I have to believe in Christ's righteousness, that he's perfect. I have to believe in his resurrection. You must to be saved. You have to believe all that he taught. Not just the portions. When we talk about God's love, love is truth. Love is, as we read here, hating evil. Love is keeping his commands. Love is hating sin. Do I hate sin in my life like God hates sin? I need to. That's loving. (laughs) What does it mean to believe? It means to believe all that he taught, all that he shared, all about him not just with the demons the, the demons believe that he exists they know that he exists they tremble at his name that's how much they believe he exists but they're not going to heaven they're not saved there's even a portion of scripture where he talks about have we not have we cast have we have we not cast out demons in your name haven't we done wonders and signs and all these miracles in your name he says depart from me you workers of iniquity for i never knew you something's missing It isn't just as simple as God is love. Just believe there's more. There's a deeper thing there going on. So, the proverb here (laughs) you can't avoid it. I own truth, I own counsel. There is nothing outside of my word that's more important than my word. Anything that comes up against my word, in contrast to my word, is not for me. We have to be careful. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I have been established from everlasting. And from the beginning, before there was ever an earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, when I, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, And my delight was with the sons of men. Wisdom is saying, I've always been here. I've been beside him the whole time. Of course, we're beginning to get a picture of what wisdom is. It isn't just thoughts and ideas, is it? I was there when he was. I was already there. Before all these things. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God Created the heavens and the earth. God was in the beginning. God was before it. Wisdom is of God. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He is our guide. He is God the Spirit. And He leads and guides us into all truth. He tells us which way to go and which way not to go. And He guards our hearts and He protects our minds and He fills us to overflowing so that no other entity can come in. He takes up all the space. There's no room for the enemy anymore. We're warned about that. You get demon-possessed, and they cast out the demon, and the house is cleansed. He goes, be careful. You better fill that house with the Lord, lest this empty, clean house gets filled with seven more. That more come in, because all you've done is clean the house and made it available for the next tenant. The Holy Spirit needs to fill us to take up all that space. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have preeminence. It's talking about Jesus, of course. Jesus is the word become flesh. Always been, always existed there before the foundations of the earth. He's available. This morning we're getting wisdom. The Holy Spirit is quickening things to your heart. You're wrestling with some things, maybe. Your mind is maybe tuning in and tuning out and thinking of different things. It's totally normal and reasonable for a teaching like this. A lecture is hard to sit through. I understand that. It's difficult to stay attentive constantly, especially if the words all run together, you know. But you're getting things from the Lord. The Holy Spirit is teaching you His Word. And you have an opportunity to, as J.C. prayed, either let these words sink into our hearts and and consume us from the inside out like our song, to change us from the inside out, or to bounce and to become unfruitful in our lives. It's up to us. I have to come prepared. Like I come with a prepared, worshipful heart for whatever song is there, I want to come with a prepared soil of my heart for whatever word is going to be planted it might bear fruit our final section is 32 through 36 now therefore listen to me my children for blessed are those who keep my ways hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates waiting at the posts of my doors for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the lord But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. We're moving into, um, and most of us felt it when COVID hit in 2020. Things were so strange, not because of the pandemic. There was spiritual warfare like we've never seen before, or we haven't seen before anyway. I'm sure the world has. When Jesus was here, it was quite (laughs) a battle. We're moving into a time where what you're being taught this morning is so important. <laughs> this proverb is so important to, to prepare us for what's ahead. You will have to make decisions almost on a daily basis whether you're going to believe God's word or you're going to believe what's right in front of you. What's right in front of you will be an option. It'll be a, uh, another choice you could make. I'm either going to walk by faith and believe God's word. I'm going to walk by what I'm looking at right here. And this is exalting itself against the Lord. And although I don't know why I've got to cling to God's word, you're going to have to make a choice. He's warning us, stand by her doorpost wisdom. Just wait for her to get up in the morning. You know, when she comes out, be right there. I got some questions for you, wisdom. I need to ask you some things, you know, he wants us waiting for that, looking for that. You're going to need to rely on God's word more than you ever have before for your morning devotions, for your evening devotions, for your prayer time, because the world is going to inundate us with so many other options, so many other choices, so many other ways that we can go and live our lives versus what God has called us to. And I don't know if you're feeling this or not, but the closer you get to God, the more of his word you plant in your heart, the more alienated and distant you feel from this world. They've left reason. They're not reasoning anymore. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool, white and clean, like that never happened. That's what God wants to reason with us about. There's two things. There's facts. There's feelings. There's feelings. And it's not between those two things. We like to say that, well, we don't go by feelings, we go by facts. You go by reason. That's the third choice. Facts by themselves make no sense. Feelings by themselves make no sense. Reason is all that matters. To be able to reason these things out with the Lord and with his word. Daniel chapter 4, it's a long cross-reference. That's why I've given myself six minutes for this. Uh, Daniel, Daniel, who was Belteshazzar, was his Babylonian name, was an advisor to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. We all know who he is, probably. If you don't, that's who he is. Daniel is not there by choice, he was taken there by force as a young man, and has grown up in Babylon. They're there by God's command, they were rebellious, and Israel was brought into under this king's lordship, basically as a punishment by God for the nation of Israel. So there's Daniel. Well, Daniel's still walking with the Lord. He doesn't care. He doesn't feel wrong. He doesn't feel like, why is this happening to me? I'm a pretty good guy. I was faithful in Israel. How come I have to go to Babylon? Take the bad people to Babylon. Why do I have to go through it? I'm a good person. He goes, because that's where God wants him to go. And as he obeys the Lord in this land of Babylon, I'm going to pray whether you want me to or not. He gets thrown into a lion's den. And is spared. Later on, he's going to build this golden image, and his three friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, also good brothers in the Lord, aren't going to bow down, and they get thrown into the fiery furnace. So there's this group that becomes a very trustworthy group from Israel. That all the people in Babylon say these guys know what th- they know a God that we don't know. So there's our setup. King Nebuchadnezzar's had some dreams. And I can't go through all of them. We don't have time for that. 1 through 19 describe those dreams in chapter 4 of Daniel. And he doesn't know what they mean, and that's on purpose. God wants him to call Daniel the only one that has God's ear because he worships the true God. If you want answers about your dream, you're going to have to go to the godly man that you know because I'm not going to give it to you directly. Unless you become a godly man, then I'll talk to you. But until you do, it's over here. So he calls Daniel in, and Daniel says, Ye, Not a good dream, king. Verse 20. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of heaven had their home, it's you, O king, who have grown and become strong, For your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. Now, so far, so good, right? If you're Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 23. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stumps and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High. Not me. (laughs) This is Daniel saying, this is God telling you this. (sighs) They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like an oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots, that portion of the dream... Your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. I don't know if this has to happen, king, but if you change your ways now, it doesn't have to go like this. Well, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, a year later from Daniel's warning to him, probably did pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, I don't want to be chopped down. I want to go as long as I can. Whoever your God is, you know, whatever. Peace. Those were God's gang signs. I don't know what I was throwing up there. (laughs) 12 months later, in the royal palace of Babylon, the king spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? For a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever whoever he chooses. And that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with dew from heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers, which is like dreadlocks, all smashed and mashed and his nails like bird's claws. At the end of the time, seven times has passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, means he's writing this, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the, t- at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles res- res- uh, resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the kingdom of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways, justice and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down that amazing story. If you were able to focus through that whole thing, I know it was a long reading guys. Our nation started as a beautiful country devoted to the true and living God. All of the writings, all of the things spoken go to the rotunda when you get If you ever go to Washington, D.C., go to the Rotunda. Look at all the paintings and all the mentions of God throughout the entire place. This place, this country was devoted to Jesus Christ. As we move away from that and we begin to say, it is I that have made this. We made this. It was democracy. It was a representative republic. No, 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 no. It's God's hand that gave us wisdom to develop a representative republic. Nothing wrong with that, but it's God's wisdom. And as we begin to call ourselves the creators of our own country, not necessarily us, the church, we all know, I hope, but as our country begins to do that more and more, reason is leaving us. We see it in our streets. We see it in the protests. We see it in the strange developments coming. Wherever we read in the news, it's like, what in the world? Reason is gone. We're like brute beasts now. He's given us over to the lusts of our flesh. What we're witnessing all across the country right now. What we're going to see on Sunday across from us as we stand against abortion and the people that want to kill babies stand opposed to that truth, that love. You're going to see reason isn't a part of it. It isn't explaining your side. We will not have this man rule over us. We will do what we want to do. We will not have a God. He will be erased. It's the goal. Now, hopefully, 36 and 37 come to pass in our country. I don't know if it will or not. That reason does get restored. That it does come back. That we do are restored to our former selves as we worship God, as we acknowledge him as the creator and as the living God. As a person individual i have to make sure that i'm not an nebuchadnezzar that's all i can do i try to teach as many people as possible don't be a nebuchadnezzar of your own life don't put yourself in that position where god needs to take your reason until you acknowledge that he's lord until you acknowledge that he's god wisdom cries out wisdom isn't hidden wisdom isn't soft-spoken <laughs> wisdom is very much available He who finds me finds life and obtains favor. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you keep it in our hearts. It's a sobering thing. I would love to just have happiness and goofiness all the time, Lord. But the fact is, we're in a fallen world. And it's falling faster and sliding faster into the pit. And we're the light of the world. So God, whether we like it or not, we are your beacons of hope. We are your... Truth-tellers, we are your watchmen on the wall. We are the ones that will be sharing your love to this dying and lost world that's going into darkness and wants to. I pray that you'd help us to stand strong, to stand firm, to stand with you, regardless, as all the other saints have done since the time of your death on the cross, standing in opposition to this Babylon, to this worldly system. Help us to stand strong in the Spirit, God. Fill these people with your spirit. Give them wisdom. Give them opportunities, Lord, to share this, this week with others that are open to it at least, who have soft hearts and are available to be taught. God, help us to open our mouths and to be as loud as wisdom says she is, Lord. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you.